Good evening. Thank you very much for coming. We will continue to read from Sri Jiva Goswami's Krishna Sandarbha. We're on the 42nd Anucheda. Krishna is the source of Narayan. There's a short title for it. This section of Jiva Goswami's Krishna Sandarbha deals with seeing both verses and narrations uh, in light of the Pariva Sutra. So this particular section, the fourfold army of the Pariva Sutra. So this section, which compri- is comprised of 44 Anuchedas, deals with the f- this four f- concept of a full fourfold army supporting the Pariva Sutra. Uh, support coming from specific verses in the Srimad Bhagavatam, then going on to support coming from the various dialogues within the Bhagavat Purana, showing that each of the different dialogues is pointing to Swayam Bhagavan Sri Krishna as the principal subject matter of those verses, and then the other two divisions being uh, hermeneutics, how the different narrations are interpreted by the acharyas in such a way that they highlight and are seen in the light of the Pariva Sutra, and then Sadlinga, uh, Satpramana, uh, the different uh, language usages, direct statements, and inference. We're on the first division of that army in support of the Pariva Sutra. Second division, Krishna is the subject of the Bhagavat's major dialogue. So all the different... So we're just finishing up the first division with these last two Anuchedas. This one and the one that follows. So Jiva Goswami continues here. In a similar view, Sri Brahma prayed to Bhagavan Sri Krishna. You are, are you not Narayan, the imminent self of all embodied beings, the Lord of Lords, and the witness of all creation? Narayan, so-called because of being the refuge of the water born of Nara, is your plenary portion. Moreover, your plenary portions are indeed ontologically real and not creations of your maya. So I'm going to kind of walk through the narrative here of the Brahma Vimohan Leela and bring out a few things that that Vishwanath's commentary uh, gives us of the Brahma Vimohan Leela primarily because as stated earlier this Brahma Vimohan Leela is so instrumental in understanding the whole Gaudiya presentation of Vaishnavism the Gaudiya presentation of Vaishnavism as we know is Jiva has made perfectly clear is based primarily on these 
two verses from the Bhagavat Purana. Vinati tat tattva vidas tattva myas jnanamadvayam brahmeti paramatmeti bhagavaniti sabjate. And then the Pariva Sutra. Iti chamsa kalapumsa krishnastu bhagavan swayam. This is unique. We don't think it's unique. But it is unique to Vaishnavism that this one incarnation, Krishna, is put forth as the topmost manifestation of the Supreme Lord. And uh, the significance of the Brahmava Mohan Leela in relationship to the Pariva Sutra is it's the it's a complete embodiment of that revelation as received from Brahma, who's the foremost authority on Vedic knowledge. The Vedas are coming through the agency of Brahma within the universe. So for Brahma to see that and experience directly the Brahmava Mohan Leela, wherein this small manifestation of the Supreme Lord playing in Vraj with his cow herd friends and the calves displays to Brahma insight. I mean, imagine seeing the cows and the calves become Vishnu's. Garbhodakshai Vishnu's of all the different universes. They all became equivalent. They all had the mark of Srivast on their chest. They all had the Kastuba gem on their chest. All these different manifestations of the cowherds and the calves turned into these Vishnu forms with their own Brahmandas. That means that they themselves were the Vishnus in these various universes. And then to see those Vishnus being worshipped by all the universe's potencies. So Brahma's seeing this. He's seeing these Vishnus are being worshipped by all the elements of creation in their personalized forms. They're being worshipped by all the demigods in the various in those universes, by the Brahmas, by every living entity. He's seeing this. He's experiencing this. All coming from the potency of this Krishna avatar, this one avatar of the Supreme Lord playing in Vraj, is manifesting this. Now, such a manifestation, imagine Brahma's position. Brahma has experienced up to this point in this day of Brahma, (laughs) you could say in this Yuga cycle, actually. He's experienced and, and all the various avatars who have descended. 
And none of them, they've all done amazing things, but none of them has done anything, anything like this up to this point. So this one medium-sized avatar of the Lord is manifesting all this. And it's so significant because as we have touched upon, up to this point, aside from what I'm aware of in Sridhar Swami's commentary to the Bhagavat Purana, which was prior to the advent of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Sri Sridhar Swami touches upon the significance of this Krishna's to Bhagavan Swayam. So he's come to the to the realization of of the fact that the various manifestations of the Supreme Lord display different um, not different but different degrees of the supremacy of the Lord, different potencies. Not all of these, all of the Lord's different avatars display and are equal in their in their displays of of spiritual potency. They all display different different amounts. But here's Krishna, and he he's got it all. He's got it all to the extent that even all these all these different Vishnu manifestations. He, he can manifest from his very form. So, this is unique. Understand, when we look to the... the we, when we look to Madhvacharya, prior to the advent of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Madhvacharyas, the Madhvas, their understanding is all... It doesn't matter which manifestation of the Supreme Lord... That you, that that's there, as revealed in Scripture, as revealed through the sadhus, as meditated upon and and taken as the anista dave as one's worshipable object, they all are equal manifestations of the supreme. There's no differentiation between one manifestation of the supreme and another as far as the qualities and the potencies displayed. This achinta beta beta tattva, this concept of one and different manifestations of the Lord's potencies, and not all the Lord's manifestations displaying different degrees of potency, opulence. This is, this is unique. And now we have, now we have a leela wherein this is fully displayed before a Brahma in a universe. It's it's phenomenal. So Brahma's put forth this prayer, and Jiva Goswami continues by first pointing out 
the understanding of this prayer as revealed by Sridhar Swami, that great commentator on the Bhagavat Purana. Sripad comments. So he's saying Sripad Swamipad is the way it reads, which is referring to Sridhar Swami. So his commentary says the following, the Narayan who is famed as the refuge of all phenomena appearing from Nara, Garbhodakshai Vishnu, as well as of the water that has emanated from that Nara is your plenary portion, or in other words, your form. Now, Jiva Goswami elaborates on what Sridhar Swami said. In this regard, the elaborated meaning is as follows. He is your part, Anga, meaning Vishnu is your part. It's telling, you know, Brahma's telling this to, to Krishna. Whereas you are the whole. This is not merely flattery, Jiva says. It's Brahma's seen it with his very own eyes. He's experienced it personally. Because Brahma directly witnessed Krishna's unprecedented glory as described in the following verse. And then he quotes from the 13th chapter's 15th verse. Brahma felt highly astonished on witnessing the liberation of Agasura as a consequence of Krishna's exceptional power. It is understood based on the principle thus enunciated that Brahma became astonished to see the liberation even of an evil one such as him, Agasura, an event never at all displayed by any other avatar or avatari. So again, up to this point, all the different avatars, the descents of the Supreme into the universe has, has never, never has, has there been a display of an avatar liberating his adversary up to this point, Krishna. And we learn, of course, we know that only Krishna does this. No other avatar liberates a demon. Liberation to ones, to people who aren't devotees, only is available through Krishna himself, Swayam Bhagavan. So Brahma's astonished, as we discussed in the last class. This lights in the sky from Agasura's body, and the light enters Krishna's body. When he comes out of August, out of the dead body of Agasura with the cowherds and the calves, this soul enters Krishna, and Brahma's like, "Whoa! God has never done this before. Liberated a demon? This is amazing. So this is this is Brahma's first amazement. Maybe this is just a mystic trick. He's not really sure. I mean, this is and there." Who knows fully what Brahma's thinking, but he's 
well, if he can do that, maybe I can do this. Let's, you know, <laughs> however the consciousness was of Brahma, who knows? But somehow or other, he, he came to the conclusion, let me steal the calves and the cowherd voice. And the Brahma Vimohan Leela results. But this this point of, of of liberating your enemy hadn't been done by any avatar up to this point. So all the different avatars that Sutta Goswami put forth in the third chapter, he goes through a litany of all the different avatars, one after another, which are all avataric descents of the Supreme. And then we come to this verse. But, iti chamsa kalapumsa krishnas tu bhagavan swayam. Of all these different manifestations, Krishna is swayam bhagavan. So now we have, now we have, there's proof. Brahma had proof. Wow. I haven't seen this before. Wow. The liberation of a demon. Liberation. The Lord actually liberated one of his enemies before he's only killed them. And we've also been presented with evidence before from Jiva Goswami in relationship to the same verse that uh, even Jaya and Vijaya coming as the Lord's enemy. They came they came three times. They were they had three they also manifested in three different sets of leelas up to the point that Krishna's descent was there. And then we have actually the liberation of uh, Sisupal and Dantavakra. And there again we see this entering of their spiritual being into the form of the Lord. So we don't we didn't see this with Hiranyaksha or Haranyakasipu or Ravana and Kumna Kumbakarna. They they were killed but they weren't liberated. Moreover in the same verse it is said, O best of the Kuru dynasty, in order to behold still other delightful glories of Krishna, Brahma stole away his calves and cowherd boys and carried them off to another place where he hid them. Based on the principles stated herein, Brahma desired to see further glories of Krishna, and he did indeed witness such glories. Hence, Brahma's glorification, stuti, of Krishna as the whole, angi, not anga, of which Narayan is but the part, anga, is not merely eulogy, but the conclusion derived from the natural sense of the episode under discussion. Effectively, this is to say that the witnessing of such glory in others is not possible. You're not going to see this in any other entity, even if the other entity is a manifestation of God. You're not going to see what Brahma saw in 
the Brahma Vimohan Leela. You're, we're not going to see these kind of acts, you know, activities in any other avataric descent. This is the full embodiment of all the potencies of the Supreme in Krishna. Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. In a later verse in the same chapter, it is said, While Brahma looked on, all the cowherd boys immediately appeared to him with dark complexions, like that of a rain cloud, and adorned in yellow silken garments. So we'll stick with, uh, with Jiva Goswami's Sandarbha here and then go into a, a little a few a few points made in the commentary of Vishwanath which are uh, quite nice from his tenth county tenth uh, canto thirteenth chapter commentary. So Jiva Goswami continues this and the ensuing verses, meaning in that thirteenth chapter where the description of the Brahma Vimohan Leela is explained. So first we have in the 13th chapter the description of the Brahma Vimohan Leela and then in the 14th we have what Krishna, what Brahma got out of it. So first you have the revelation, what Brahma experienced, and then in the next chapter he tries to put it in words for us. By his prayers he's saying this is what I've come to realize. So and we're also going to go on in this few classes to to look at his other revelation in regards to Krishna, Krishna uh, that he experienced when he, later when he went to Dwarka, as related to Sanatan Sanatan Goswami by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, where he went to Dwarka and said, "I'd like to see Krishna," and then the Dwarka keeper said, "Who are you? Well, I'm Brahma." Oh, okay, I'll introduce, let me go tell Krishna you're here. Which Brahma? He wants to know which Brahma. <laughs> so, and we'll see the, the, the parallel between how, how this really, that these two Leelas together, that uh, Brahma's revelations really round out and, and really bring the point home of this distinctive characteristic of Swayam Bhagavan's avataric descent as Lord Krishna, both in Vraj and then again in Dwarka. So, this and the ensuing verses in this 13th chapter of the 10th canto describe how Brahma directly witnessed the Isvara from millions of Brahmandas, I'm sorry, it's, it's uh, plural, Isvaras, from millions of Brahmandas being manifest by Krishna alone as the parts of his parts. Again, remember this, these manifestations of the various Vishnus, the reason they're parts of parts is they're a manifestation from the second Chaturvyuha. The first Chaturvyuha is in Vaikuntha, I mean, you could say the first is in in Vraj. I mean, here again, the Gaudi is 
take on things a little different. So they see, you know, Krishna Balaram and uh, and also two of the cowherds as the Chakra of Yuha. But from this, from the Bhagavat's Leela narrative, the way it's presented, uh, you have the Chakra of Yuha, the original Chakra of Yuha, then the the Chakra of Yuha, which is a manifest, another manifestation of that same concept in the Paramatma. So in the Paramatma manifestation, of course, you have uh, Prajumna, Vasudev, Sankarshan, Mahavishnu, Sankarshan, Prajumna, Garbhodakshai Vishnu, and Aniruddha, Kashira Dakshai Vishnu. So that's why here it's saying parts of the part. Again, looking at these, the way it's presented as far as these different manifestations of the Lord coming forth in the form of these, this fourfold manifestation of the Chaturvyuha. Additionally, each of them were being separately worshipped by Prakriti's primordial potencies. This is each individual Vishnu manifestation that simultaneously was was in the view. If you've seen that picture, you see the cowherd boys, and then you see the Vishnus like coming from them and the calves. So each one of those is being worshipped. As, as by all the elements in a universe. So you're seeing, imagine, we're not seeing, the Brahma is seeing this, this manifestation of the cowherds and the calves, and from them he's seeing their complexions changing and these forms of Vishnu. And these forms of Vishnu are being worshipped by all the elements within a universe. Each one is being worshipped individually as by everything that's in a brahmanda a universal manifestation all the universal elements all the demigods all the living entities everything worshiping uh, i guess you would call call it uh, what arjuna saw on super steroids i mean bra you know Arjuna said, show me your universal form. <laughs> Here you have Brahma seeing unlimited universes worshipping these Vishnus. The revelation was a little different, but still you can imagine just how profoundly influenced he had to have been by this spiritual vision. You know, all these Vishnus being worshipped by all the all the ingredients personalized that constitute a particular universe along with. So he's seeing both the Bhairanga Shakti and the Maya Shakti, the Tatasta Shakti, all these Shaktis worshipping these individual manifestation of Vishnus. By the metanormal powers such as anima, atomization, so he's, he's, these Brahmins are being worshipped by all the all the siddhas, 
are there in personalized form, worshiping. The 24 evolutionary uh, principles of Sankhya, beginning with Mahat, cosmic intellect. So those 24 elements, uh, we have the five Mahabhutas, earth, water, fire, air, ether. Yeah, and then we come to the subtle, uh, the five senses, knowledge acquiring senses, uh, the five working senses, the tan matras, the objects of the senses. So these are all personalized here in this vision. Uh, and then we have mind, intelligence, false ego, and the mahat. Again, cosmic, well, as, as Jiva said here, the cosmic intellect. So these are the 24 evolutes as seen by the studies, uh, study, those that study Sankhya philosophy. And we've discussed that the numbering is different according to different visions of that Sankhya philosophy. Then he, Jiva goes on from there. Their supporting factors, such as time, this is interesting, such as time and innate disposition, the Brahmandas produced out of this conglomeration. He's seeing that. He's seeing the universes themselves there that were made or made from this conglomeration. Now remember, so he's seeing the Nimitta, Right? And the Upadon. So, time and all those things that are the instrumental causes that we went over when we were studying the Paramatma Sandarbha. So, time, Swabhava, innate disposition, um, and the like. Innate disposition. Uh, the Brahmandas produced out of this conglomeration the creators, such as Brahma, who are within the Brahmandas. Brahma's seeing the Brahmas within the different universes, worshipping Vishnu, and by the living beings all the way down to the blades of grass. Now, this kind of a revelation, also, we need to understand it in a bit of context. It's not like a revelation of just the seeing capacity. All the senses have to be utilized in order to take in what's being revealed here. It's not like Brahma saw this. I mean, Brahma saw it. He felt it. He, his mind grasped it. His intellect was, I mean, every, every bit of him was saturated with this revelation. But we say we saw yeah, okay. Um, not to go f too far off track, but there's there's a there's a lot more that can be involved in such a a revelation, even if one uses the most crude of tools, mind tools available. I'm talking here like a, a psychedelic substance like the Indian Indians used or the hippies used 50, 60 years ago. 
So there's more than just seeing involved there. There's a whole experience. And that's just a material imitation, as you can imagine, of, of something that like a revelation of the Lord that Brahma experienced. But if, if you've ever had experience of that or you've read about it, you know that the experience goes far beyond the seeing. It's the smelling, it's the tasting, it's the touching, it's the, the whole mind is, is brought into a, an experience and, and that's just a material thing. Like submerged. All the senses are completely submerged. That's a great word you use. Jiva continues, because this episode involves the revelation of the amalgam of all potencies, it indeed forms the extraordinary seed of Sri Sridhar Swami's explanation of the statement, Krishna, however, is Swayam Bhagavan. So this is Jiva's conclusion here. This is how... This is how Sridhar Swami, the great commentator on the Bhagavat Purana, can explain and come to this conclusion that this Brahma Vimohan Leela is the embodiment of the statement Krishna Stu Bhagavan Swayam. It's the amalgam of everything that you can imagine as far as evidence through revelation of the fact that Krishna is Swayam Bhagavan. Other displays of power, such as showing the universal form, are within the capacity of any one of the Purushas, who are eminent, each within their own respective universe, Brahmanda. For this, it is to be from this it is to be understood that Sridhar Swami's explanation of the non-distinction of Beda of the Purusha and Bhagavan in his commentary on verses such as one three one. Okay, one three one. Let's remember this is the this is the first verse in the third chapter of the first canto, wherein we go through that litany of the various avatars coming up to the Parivas Sutra. So the very first verse, Sutta begins the chapter by saying, First of all, the Supreme Lord accepted the form of the eternal first Purusha, full like the moon, for creating the universes from Mahatattva and other elements. So this is where Krishna be, this is where the Lord first made an avataric descent. His first descent was to manifest Karnadakshai Vishnu, who from the ocean of Pradhan, from that whole from that from that, he could glance upon the potentiality of creative elements and 
manifests the various universes from his very form. The jivas and everything. However, we want to envision what Karnadakshai Vishnu did to get everything into motion. This is Sutta saying at the very beginning of this third chapter, this is where it all began. And then he'll go all he goes on to explain verse by verse, as as we've already gone over, all the different, you know, Narda, the Kumars, all the different descents of the Lord, either in a form of Bhagavan or in a in a partial manifestation of the Supreme or even through empowerment of a jiva, like a Narda, like the Kamars. These, these also, these Saktavish empowerments are also avataric descents of the, of the Lord because it's his personal potencies that are there. From this, it has been understood that Sridhar Swami's explanation of the non-distinction of Beta of the Purusha and Bhagavan in his commentary on verses such as 131 has been presented for the sole purpose of inciting worship, as in the case of the identification of the gross cosmic form Virat with the Purusha. Then Jiva continues... In reality, however, Sridhar Swami has accepted Sri Krishna alone as the supreme shelter. As he plainly states at the beginning of his commentary on the 10th canto. And herein we will come to the concluding remarks of this Anucheda. So here, Jiva Goswami is going to quote from Sridhar Swami's Bhavartha Dipika. So this Bhavartha Dipika is the commentary on Srimad Bhagavatam by Sridhar Swami. That's the name of it. So he's going to quote from that commentaries to the 10th canto, 2nd chapter, 1st verse. So Sridhar Swami wrote, writes in his commentary there, I offer obeisances to Sri Krishna. The supreme abode, the refuge of the cosmos, who is designated by the nine characteristics known as primary creation, sarga, secondary creation, visarga, and so on. In the tenth canto, so here, I mean, Sridhar Swami's beginning his commentary on the tenth canto, just about to talk about the advent of Sri Krishna. In the tenth canto, Krishna is depicted as the tenth characteristic. Tenth characteristic being the ten of the ten subjects of a major Purana. So the the last of the ten subjects of a major Purana is the uh, is the shelter of all the other subjects, creation, subcreation, the various manus, the various activities of his through history. The so. And then, of course, the destruction of the universe. So all these subjects we've also discussed. So Krishna is depicted as the tenth characteristic, the tenth subject of, the, of a major Purana. The very embodiment of ultimate shelter, Asraya. Of all that is sheltered, Asrita. Those are the other nine. They're sheltered. 
in Krishna. He who frolics in the ocean of the Yadu dynasty is called the supreme bliss, bliss, Parananda. Jiva concludes this Anucheta, if Swamipad's opinion was that other forms of God were also the supreme shelter, then his words in the 10th canto, Krishna is depicted as the 10th characteristic, the very embodiment of ultimate shelter would be rendered meaningless. Thus, it was rightly said, Narayan is your part. So, all that to show that what Brahma was saying in his prayers after his revelation through the Brahmavimohan Leela that isn't Narayan coming from you. All this is leading to Sridhar Swami. Sridhar Swami makes it so. Because he's used Sridhar Swami primarily as his, his commentaries being the praman for this Anucheta, the evidence. Any questions on what we did discuss this evening? Comments? Um, one thing you were just talking about thinks that his are the absolute greatest, but it's because if he can prove his points using that commentary, then he'll have that whole audience that follows Shridhar Swami's commentary who has come up with a different conclusion. Right. He'll be able to sway. And that kind of takes us into an understanding of the significance of the of the Bhagavat commentary of Sridhar Swami at at his time and his place because he is that bridge between the Advaitin community and the Vaishnav understanding because his commentary does have Advaitin viewpoints throughout it, sprinkled throughout it in order to capture the attention of the Advaitins. Oh, Sridhar, he's from our camp because he was from their camp. Oh, Sridhar's from our camp. He's wrote a, a commentary on the Bhagavad. Well, that's that's our commentary. He's our man. Just to pull them in. I mean, dare we use a term like preaching strategy? I think so. Anything else? Thank you so much.